You know, I spend not too much time, but just a little often to look for a PowerPoint background that matches uh, the theme of the sin. And so for this morning's uh, sin that we're talking about, I have the color green. Ever heard the phrase green with envy? So, starting with the children. Now, some of y'all don't know how old you are, but you're not children. Starting with the children. Do you know why, where the phrase green with envy comes from? Take a guess. Going up to teenagers, excepting my son who knows the answer. We discussed it this morning. Where does green from envy come from? The word green, the color green. That's a good guess. In fact, in the first service, someone, and someone said that because the dollar sign is green, right, but wrong. Because there are many currencies in the world that are not green, right? But in America, yes, green, and it's a phrase that used with money. Uh, let's go back down the centuries. How many literature students here who've done English literature... Now you're shy to raise your hand. Did they? Yeah. So, you want to take a guess as to where green comes from? Okay, great. I'll get, we'll wait. Otherwise, I'll give you a clue. Illness? No, literature, English literature. Yeah, but it comes from Shakespeare. Now, do you know which book of Shakespeare? Othello. Where envy is called a green monster. And it's from Shakespeare's time that it became part of common English language. Let's go back a little more. Because the philosophers, the Greek philosophers, had the color green for envy. And do you know where that came from? Okay. What is the color of bile? Some of you know the color. In fact, while riding to church, I said, who best to ask but my wife? Not because she has bile, but she's a medical doctor. Everyone has bile, right? Yeah, okay. I don't know. See, I don't know medicine. And so we called her on the phone and uh, we asked her, uh, what is the color of bile? She said green and then corrected it to say it's actually, now listen to this, it's fluorescent green. I like that. There's one thing between green and fluorescent green actually sounds good. No, it doesn't. <laughs> so bile is green in color. And down history, they've said envy is green in color because it is as bad as bile. We're going to look at it because the book of Proverbs says envy rots the bones. Envy is one of those sins, if you have it, it destroys you. I've had the privilege of thinking about all these sins because I get to hear them before you do. Because I'm the one preparing it. I've got to think about it. I've got to pray about it. I've got to look at scripture. And on all these sins, I am fascinated 
that I didn't think I had these sins. Some I have discovered I have more than the other. I'm looking forward to next Sunday's sermon. You know what's it on? Laziness. And I can stand before you and say, you know what? I work hard. There's some mornings I wake up at 5 o'clock, 4 o'clock just to do often ministry work. So in different proportions, I have those sins. I plead with you this morning to ask God to see if you have the sin of envy. And we'll talk more about it. Turn with me to Psalm 37. Now, you know what? We are a friendly church. When you confess your sins, I am gracious to you, correct? I've never embarrassed anyone here because of their sin. I embrace the sinner, correct? Here's a time for confession. Confession. How many of you read Psalm 37 before coming? The rest of you are forgiven. Do better the next time. I'll tell you why I want you to do that. Because preparation for worship does not happen when you come here. Preparation for worship starts the night before. If you come rushed into church on Sunday morning, it'll take you a good 15, 20 minutes to calm down. Guess what? Half the service is over by then. In our family, and I saw this on the ironing board this morning, uh, Nathan's clothes were already ironed last night. Why? We don't want to do it on Sunday morning. If you have young children, and we don't have this problem at our home, our kids have grown up, what's the typical challenge on Sunday morning with little kids? What to wear, isn't it? And then you have an argument about it. You know what you should do? Have the argument on Saturday night. (laughs) Because either way, there's going to be an argument. But why do you do that? So that on Sunday morning, you're preparing for worship. Don't rush to church. Make it the Lord's day. Look forward to the day. Because you're coming to worship the King of Kings. And if He is going to be here, do you think we should come with a good attitude? So, Preparation for worship, folks. And that's why I sent out that email to you, say, read Psalm 37. I have another reason why I wanted you to read Psalm 37. Do you know that God does not just speak through me alone? He can speak directly through you through his word, isn't it? Give him that chance to speak. And there's nothing sweeter than God speaking to you directly through his word. And so uh, I'm going to keep pushing. One of the things a pastor has to do is to keep pushing people. For your good, and that's why. But turn with me to Psalm 37. Fret not yourself. In other words, don't get so anxious and worked up with evildoers. And then what does it say? Be not envious of evildoers. This is a psalm of how to live your life when you look at other people. And the first verse out of the bat is, when you see other people doing well, especially those who are evil and sinful, what should you not do? Don't get envious. Especially in America, the land of the plenty, the land of the American dream, you will always find people doing better than you. You will be tempted because you work hard, you do things the right way, and you're doing poorer 
than someone else. And Scripture teaches you, when you see that, don't get envious. We'll talk more about it. But notice what it says. And I, again, look at verse 2. I want you to read and think biblically. For it says, For they will soon fade away like the grass and wither like the green herb. Let me do it with you this morning. Look at verse 2. And what does God expect you to think when you read that? Okay, it's talking about other people, correct? What's going to happen to them? They're going to wither away, right? Now, pause for a moment, look at me. When you read that, what should be your response or your thinking? Sadness for them? Good, you're a kind person. So we'll give her the benefit of doubt. What do you then think about yourself? You've just read those who don't have God wither away. What's not said but is true? Those who have God will not wither away. You see how you read scripture? Read it slowly. You're absolutely true. It says those who fade, they'll fade away like the glass, like the green herb. Immediately pause. And if you're as kind as Betty Jo, feel sad for them. But then you should immediately think, wow, I just got caught up envying them. What I just forgot is they're going to wither away. And you should say, praise be to God. I might not have what they have, but I have something they don't have. Christ, and because of Christ, I will not wither. You see how that turns into worship? You started with sin, and then you biblically think. Now, keep looking on. Remember, this is a psalm of how to deal with envy. Notice what it says in verse 3. It says, trust in the Lord and do good. And I'll show you the connection as to how the antidote or the cure for envy has to do with how you think about God. And it says, trust in God. Look at verse 4. That's the second way of dealing with envy. It says, delight yourself in the Lord, and He will fulfill the desires of your heart. How interesting. You know, when you look at other people, envy is basically saying, I desire to have what they have. I've got a smartphone. It's three generations from what it is, what the good ones are right now. It's working fine. In fact, my phone company will give me an upgrade in a month's time. It wouldn't cost me all that much. And the kids ask me, are you going to get that upgrade? And my answer now, which actually sounds good, I don't need one. Inside me? Sure. Yesterday, my son and I, we went to Best Buy. We wanted to buy something. We knew what we wanted, $35. Uh, we went in there. So I said, son, let's walk around. I haven't walked around Best Buy for a while. And sure, you wander and you come into the phone area. And I'm looking at some of those new phones. I already have an eye problem, can't read too well. Do you know that there are good phones that are much bigger than my screen size? They're much thinner than mine. And what happens the more you look at them? 
There's a desire for this stuff. So what did we do? Quickly walked out. (laughs) Because there is a way you can justify it, isn't it? It's free. I use my phone for work. I can give you five reasons as to why I have a right to upgrade. But that's American thinking. That's pagan thinking of wanting things that you don't really need, but eventually become a slave to. So when it comes to envy, you're going to find out that we're all tempted. And that's part of my purpose of going very specific because I want to ask you the question, not because I want an answer. You need an answer. Do you have envy as a problem? Since we've done it before, let me remind you again the difference between temptation and sin because some of you were not there the day when I first did that. So let's make me the object of the lesson. What's the difference between temptation and sin? Take the phone example. First of all, did I sin? Was I tempted? You speak very well for me. Okay, now tell me the difference between the two. We talked about it when it came on the issue of lust. If, guys, you see a beautiful girl... You're tempted. Let me tell you, that means you're normal. Women, you see a good-looking guy, whatever age you are. This thing about temptation has nothing to do with age. You're tempted. Maurice, you want, uh, Tamari, you wanted to tell me the difference between temptation and sin. Okay, great. Let's do it again. You're on track. So when, when I see a good phone, it's easier talking about the phone than if I see a good woman. Let's leave that alone. <laughs> the principle is the same. Let's say I see a great phone. Temptation is that thought. I would like to have that. Now this is where I'm going to break it down a little more. Because sin in the Bible is not just the act. Jesus elevates the standard to say, if you look at a woman lustfully, you have committed adultery. So you don't, so when that temptation, and I I use it as split seconds, work with me on that. In a split second, you're tempted. Whether you sinned or not is in the next second where you spend time thinking about it. You're with me? Because if you spend too much time thinking about it, savoring it, drool over it, you've already sinned even if you didn't buy that phone. Take the example of lusting. So on temptation, you and I cannot do much about it because who is the one tempting you? Always remember that there is someone deliberately trying to tempt you, and this is how he works. He tempts you on the weakest area of your life. He will not tempt you on doctrine, because if you attend this church long enough, you'll be strong in doctrine. He's not going to waste his time on that. He'll waste it, he will use it on the area of your life where you're the weakest, and he will tempt you. You cannot stop that temptation. What can you do? 
how you respond to it. So when it comes to temptation, you will be tempted if you spend another second on it, even if you don't do it, you've already sinned. Having said that, let's move on in the area of envy. Like pride, remember our first sin we dealt with was pride. Like pride, it is a soul sin. In other words, this morning, you have no clue whether I have envy or not. On some of the other sins, you probably can look at me. Anger, if you spend enough time with me, if you drove with me, you'll very quickly discover whether I have anger or not. On envy, in fact, pride is easier to find in other people. Envy is one of those quiet ones. You, first of all, you don't know for yourself. Secondly, it's even tougher to figure out whether someone else has it. Here is what envy does. People who have envy are usually unhappy people. They're never content. And I'll tell you why envy does that to you. Defining the sin, we want to do three or four things this morning. Defining the sin, give you the example of finding out your own score, tell you the effect of sin, and then come to the cure of what you can do with it. What does the Tenth Commandment say? And we've already done it at least three times. It says, do not covet, do not envy other people's stuff. Let me draw the distinction between jealousy and envy because sometimes we take both of them and think it's the same. It's not the same. They come from two different places. Jealousy is you're good at something. You're smart. You've accomplished something. Uh, You've got something in life. Jealousy is when you feel so proud about yourself that you look down on other people. You got a nice house. You've got a good job. Your children might be doing well. You may know a little more about the Bible. Whatever it be. Whatever be the accomplishment. You're just so full of yourself. That you treat other people lesser than yourself. That's jealousy. Envy is different. Envy is. You're just not happy for other people. Who are doing well. You desire other people's success and you look down on them because you just can't handle the fact that you don't have what they have or that the wicked are doing well and you have a feeling that I as a Christian, as a hard worker, that's not fair. And if those thoughts have gone through your mind, uh, a great morning to look at whether envy is a sin that you're dealing with. In Matthew chapter 20, uh, verse 13 to 15, don't turn there, it's a very familiar story, and I think I referred to it a couple of Sundays ago. You remember the story that Jesus made up about different workers coming to work in the vineyard? One came at 8 o'clock, the other guy came at 12 o'clock, the other guy came at 3 o'clock, and at the end of the day, what happened? They all got paid the same. You know the guy who came early in the morning and did a full day's of work? 
What did he tell his master? That's not fair. And you know what the master said? That's none of your business. I mean, I, that's no, there's no translation with those words. I'm just making it simple. Listen to what uh, Jesus said in that parable. He replied to one of them, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarii for work? Take what belongs to you and go. I chose to give this last worker as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I chose with what belongs to me? Or do you begrudge my generosity? Powerful words, right? Because at the end of the day, it's God who decides who gets what. And when we envy what other people have, have you know what you're basically telling God? You don't, know, no, you don't know what you're giving me, I need more. You, you have no clue how to distribute stuff. None of us would say that to God. But that's the roundabout way of how envy plays out. Let me read to you a story that I came across written by a lawyer who talked about how a family came to him with a revocable trust issue. If I can find the paper, here we go. The lawyer who presented the seminar on revocable living trusts told of an instance where a couple of sisters had come to his office to challenge the fact that their brother had received the family farm in the parents' trust. The lawyer had seen this type of thing before, but he was still troubled by their greed. He asked, Do you know why your parents left the farm to your brother? Yes, they replied, he had taken care of them in their old age and had worked the farm for them. So he asked, had you ever helped in the farm? They said, no. Had you ever helped your brother take care of your parents? No. So why do you think you, share, you have a share in the farm that your parents wanted to leave to him? Because it's the family farm. And we believe we deserve it. The lawyer smiled sadly and then said, You have every right to contest this trust, but you have to realize that there is a trust clause in this, and it says, If someone were to contest this trust and lose it, they will not only lose what they fought for, but they will also lose the inheritance that they were given. In other words, if you contest this trust and lose your share of whatever inheritance outside the farm you got, you'd lose that too. The ladies left his office never to come back again. What's the point? When we suffer from envy, we often don't realize it. We think we deserve. And therefore, whatever we have to get what we deserve we somehow feel justified. Whether it ends up destroying friendships, jobs, families, because it's only fair that we get our fair share. How sad, isn't it? I've already said it. It is a sin of the spirit. You remember the story about the prodigal son. In some ways, it's wrongly titled 
it should be about the loving father. In fact, the story is also not just about the prodigal son. It's about the older hypocritical brother. Because we only read about that brother for about three verses. But you remember the story. There was this wayward son, wasted his life, brought the family name down, lost all his money. And as he comes home, what does the father do? Throw a... Yes, say the word. Baptists are sometimes scared to say the word party. Yes, it was a party. Do you know how I know it was a party? Open your Bibles and see. There was... And it was loud music. See, those of you who think religious people should only listen to one kind of music, read your Bibles first, then argue with me. There was loud music. What else was there? Say it. Dancing. And that dancing was not unto the Lord. So those of you who think all dancing is only towards the Lord, I have a Bible that says, moderate amount of celebration and festivity is appropriate. You know what's the problem with culture today? They take what's good and they pervert it. So some of us need to learn to dance nicely. And it's, that's why God gave us limbs that move. Isn't it interesting? You wonder why they fold at so many different directions? That's all I'll do. You're getting distracted. You're getting distracted. But when this older brother came, he heard music, he heard dancing, and he got all angry. And what was his point? His point was, I've been the good boy. You didn't cut a goat for me uh, with my friends. What was his problem? Envy, wasn't it? He got what he got. His father chose to give to his son a celebration party. And I hope whenever you think about God, especially those of you who are young Christians, I hope you realize how excited God gets when you come to him. We should be the ones who are throwing a party, isn't it? That finally God loves us. But God's the one who throws the party. And he says, don't bring any food. I'll provide everything. So it is a sin of the spirit. Do you know it is a sin of unbelief? When you look at any of these sins, I hope you realize it's more than what it manifests itself. What did verse 3 say? Trust in the Lord. Right? It starts off by saying, don't envy those around you. What should you be doing? Trust in Lord. In other words, envy comes from a place where you don't trust that God has done good for you. It comes from a place where you think, you would not say that, God was unfair. You think you deserve more. You think because you worked hard, you have a right for it. All of those are actually, and that's why it's a sin. When we sin, who do we sin against? God. You might be envious of someone else. That's not the problem. You've sinned against God, and what's the sin? That you really don't trust God, that he's actually given you all that you need. So let me do this quickly. I don't want to spend too much time on this because between God's word and God's spirit, and if you're open-minded, you will figure out whether this sin is in you or not. 
If you are envious, the chances are you have a habit of being critical of others. John chapter 12, wonderful scene. Here is this woman who broke the alabaster box of perfume. What is she doing? Wiping Jesus' feet with her hair and anointing him. Remember that story? Judas looks at that and what's his comment? Oh, that money could have been used to help so many poor people. Was that any of his business? Nobody had a comment. Sometimes we make comments or even think of things that are none of our business. We are not smart enough to know how God works, correct? And if you have a critical way, sometimes we think, oh, I know how they live. I know how they cheat on whatever. I know how they make their money. And what are you doing? You're actually pulling them down so that you can feel a little better. As someone said, when you throw dirt on someone, not only do you get your own hands dirty, but you lose a little of your own ground. Right? And what are we trying to do? We're actually trying to exalt ourselves. So if you're unfairly critical of others, uh, be careful. Here's the one that I think we should spend time thinking about. First Timothy chapter 6, verse 6 to 8. Listen to it carefully. It says, Godliness with contentment is great gain. We brought nothing into this world. We cannot take anything out of this world. But if we have food and clothing, with these we will be content. Let me ask you, you have food and clothing? You have a couple of changes of clothes at home? Most of you, I think all of you are well matched also this morning. You have food, clothing, you got a place to live? You are rich people compared to the poor in the world. There is no reason why you and I should not, not only be content, but we should be giving away much more. So, it says, godliness with contentment is great gain. How powerful. You can know a lot about God. You might even think you're godly because you don't do all the bad things other people do. You might know a lot of scripture. You might do a great amount of ministry. You're a good person. But you know what scripture says? If you have that and you're not content, you're missing the mark. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Let me ask you this morning, are you content and satisfied? Now, Psalm 37 verse 3 says, Delight yourself in the Lord and he shall fulfill the desires of your heart. That is true. But there's a principle. Don't run after the things of the world. We all have desires. I said a couple of Sundays ago, I'd like, my one great desire is, Lord, can we pay off that mortgage as soon as possible? Good desire. We're intentionally working towards that. Because once in debt, you're a slave. That's what scripture says. 
any form of debt. And I hope those of you who are uh, wanting to work intentionally on your finances, uh, we're going to talk more about it. We will teach you, it's not easy, the hard way of living within your means. Getting out of debt. Saving. So having said that, If you are not content and satisfied, you will never be content and satisfied. So godliness with contentment is a secret, a great gain to life. And thirdly, this is a good one. I want to work with you on this. Do you celebrate and are are you happy when your peers do better than you? at your place of work, even within your extended family. You may have a brother or a sister or an uncle or an aunt, and they suddenly are doing well. And in your mind, you see them climbing the ladder. For some reason, you're not doing all that well. Let me ask you the question. Do you celebrate their success and joy? I remember a couple of... Six years ago when our oldest daughter was applying for colleges. Now, I can talk about prejudice. You can, but you should not. On Asian Indians, okay? So here's one thing about Asian Indians. They are high achievers. They study hard. They don't aim for local colleges. They aim for... And we have, we have friends and family whose kids are doing amazingly brilliantly. With the least amount of effort. These are well-balanced families. It's not about career. They love God. They serve God. They go on mission trips. But their kids are acing it. They're aiming for the Ivy League schools. So here's where I'm coming with that. When our oldest was applying for colleges, you know what my worry was? Where will my kid get an applica- a kid get into college? So on one hand, I know she'll do well, and sure, she got into a good college. But you know what I was preoccupied with? What will they think? And if you get too caught up in that, if you spend too much time, guess what happens? When their kid gets into Yale, and your kid probably got into Penn State, which is a good school, But we all know where Penn State works in Yale, right? The question is, do I rejoice in the fact that a friend of Mars, their kid, got into a great college? You know, if I was envious, what I would do? Just say, you know what, that's great. He got into it. But there's no sense of joy and celebration. So let me ask you, are you happy when other people do well? Do you celebrate? When you're not the one who got the promotion and someone else got the promotion, and you know that person got the promotion not because they worked hard, because they knew how to play the game, right? I worked in corporate America too for five years with Merrill Lynch. I had all my skills, but I saw people go past me based on one thing, where they hung out on Friday evenings. Do you know where they went on Friday evenings? To the bar. That's where relationships were built. That's where promotions were got. But because I knew that was not my career, it didn't faze me at all. But if I were to still be there, 
How would I handle it when someone else is doing well and getting it the wrong way? Envy would stop me from saying, you know what, I'm glad for you. I can only say I'm glad for you, especially when I realize it's unfair, because at the core of my being, I need to know, even if I live in an unfair world, God will always be fair with me, isn't it? He's a sovereign God. You think anyone can twist his arm? Not at all. All the wickedness in the world, he can still do right for me. So, envy has a lot to do with how you trust and believe in God. I rush through my points every Sunday morning. Can I give you a moment this morning to ask yourself, do you have envy as a sin? It's a sin against God, and that's why it's good for us to take a moment to wonder about. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 30. Let me show you what the effects of the sin is. Like all sins, it can destroy your life. Proverbs 14, verse 30 says, A tranquil heart, or a heart that's at peace which is content, gives life to the flesh. But envy makes the bones rot. Envy is like termite. You don't see it working on the outside, but it's eating away. A peaceful heart, a content heart, gives life to the flesh. Envy makes the bones rot. The first effect of envy in your life, it disturbs personal contentment. I'm just looking around to make sure I have age-appropriate kids, but at this time, if you're still, for every tooth that goes off, you get a couple of bucks at night and you don't know the story, I'm sorry to break the surprise. Parents, please forgive me because there's a great point I have in this story. I read a story not so long ago about a woman whose second grader had collected a fair amount of money from the tooth fairy. Incidentally, in our family, the tooth fairy has given us money. Our kids have grown up. Their theology is intact. So, Don't send me an email about I teaching my kids about fairies and ghosts. That's not the point. We wanted to enjoy childhood. So every time her daughter Rachel lost a tooth, they put it in a small envelope and put it under her daughter's pillow. And behold, in the morning, the tooth was gone, and in its place, $2. That was just great. $1 at your home? Okay. Yeah. $2 is a lot of money for a second grader. At least it was until one day Rachel visited her friend of hers. Her friend was telling how she had put a tooth under her pillow and found $10 the next morning. 
Rachel then asked her friend's mother, Mrs. Kraft, would you mind doing me a big favor? Would you please call my mom and tell her which tooth fairy you used? (laughs) That's what envy does, isn't it? You were content till you realized what someone else got. Will she ever again enjoy $2? No, gone. And that's what envy does. It was a cute joke, but ask yourself this morning, why is it that you and I are not content and actually living generous, but still striving for more and more and more? It's because we've seen other people have more than us. And at some point, it's not cute, people. Because you're not living within your means. You might be in debt. You work hard and harder. You're like a, uh, an animal on a Ferris wheel. But it disturbs personal contentment. Secondly, it destroys community. James chapter 3 verse 16. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. Listen to it again. Where jealousy and envy exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. If there's a group of people and envy starts to work at a workplace, in a family, or even in a church, you know what it soon results? We'll start to not like one another. One of the greatest strengths of this church And because I've been here 17 years, I know this church fairly well enough. I know our weaknesses. I will not tell you our weaknesses on Sunday mornings. I will tell the deacon board and the leadership, this is where we need to work in. Sundays are a day of worship and praise. Let me tell you what you're good at. You treat everyone equally. You embrace the visitor. You don't care what color they are. You don't ask them where they work. You don't even care about what car they drive. And God has blessed this congregation because of that. But the moment we start to compare, you start to look down on someone else, it will break up this congregation. We might be good on theology. But envy and pride can make us a horrible group of people. Right now on Sunday mornings, we love coming. We laugh. We enjoy. Our kids love to come. The moment you start to compare, that's the end of love and harmony. It destroys community. Thirdly, it undermines respect for authority. Two passages, Scripture, one is about Moses' brother and sister who were grumbling among themselves and their question is, why does God only speak through Moses? And the other one is about the sons of Korah who were priests. They had a similar issue. It's only Moses who's getting get used. When you envy even someone in authority over you or someone else, you lose respect. And once you lose respect, you know you won't love any longer, isn't it? 
starts with envy. Thirdly, rather fourthly, it cripples spiritual growth. Envy is just not about things. You have envy, it distorts your relationship with Christ because at the end of it, it's all about sin. Let me end with the cure. Proverbs, now some of you got Bibles this morning. Tom, remember to get take a Bible. I saw his Bible, it didn't have study notes. If you don't have a study Bible, we're giving it away free because we want you to learn the Word of God. The reason I talked about the Bible is when I was a teenager, Proverbs chapter 30 was a verse that I found beautifully enriching my own life. Proverbs chapter 30, verse 8 to 9. Listen to this. Remove from me falsehood and lying. And this is the part I love. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is needful for me. Lest I be full and deny you. Or I be poor and steal. Listen to it again. The prayer is, God, just give me what I need. Because if I am rich, I will forget you. If I'm poor, I might sin and want to steal. The first cure I'm going to suggest to you for dealing with envy is change the way you desire things. Do you know you can change your desires? Starts with contentment. But you have to intentionally tell yourself, I trust God. God loves me. Everything I need, He has provided. He will provide. Change your desires. Sometimes we're not intentional with our desires. Secondly, the verse that was read to us this morning, I'm going to read it again. For I have learned, this is Paul writing to the church in Philippi. I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. And then comes the verse that most of us know very well. It says, I can do all things in him who strengthens me. But we forget what was written before that. What does Paul say? I know how to live when I have plenty. I also know how to live content when I have little. I grew up in a poor country. I grew up middle class and that too lower middle class. By the grace of God, I've lived in America enough. God has blessed us. Learning to be content and to adapt is something you can do. There are phases in life when you will go through hard times. Learn to adapt. Enjoy those moments. God has a purpose in it. If God's blessed you, enjoy that. It's God's grace, but learn how to adapt in all circumstances. Stop comparing. 
I want you to know that some of the big boys in the Bible struggled with some of these sins. John chapter 21 is about uh, Peter. Peter was a capable guy, wasn't he? Peter had a problem. Peter had the problem of envy. You know how we know? When he saw John lean against Jesus' chest at the Lord's Supper, uh, Peter turned and he asked, Lord, who is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? Pointing to John. Because Jesus had said, Jesus had made some comments. Look at what Jesus turns to Peter and say, If it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? Simply put, Peter was very busy about trying to find out what's John going to get. Where is he going to be? Remember the disciples already had an argument on which side they're going to sit. They struggle with the same sin. And Jesus' response to Peter is, again, my translation, it's none of your business. And so stop comparing. Stop comparing yourself with other people. Stop comparing your children with other people's children. Even if you don't say it to your child, if you are looking at your children and looking at other people's children and wishing things that they had or the way they succeeded, You have a sin of envy. And it's not about children any longer. Your sin is against God. You probably want your spouse to become like someone else's spouse. You may not say that. You have expectations of your spouse just because you find someone else's spouse doing that. Envy. I can go through a list of things. But stop comparing yourself or stop comparing someone else to who God has given and blessed you. Romans chapter 12, verse 15 to 16 says, Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Do you know, if you, if you don't have a habit of praising and blessing other people, yeah, I've told you, you probably have a few sins to deal with. But here's a good way to deal with your sin. When you know on Friday that someone else got promoted and you didn't get promoted, I know you probably have a miserable weekend. Come to church that Sunday. Get right with, the God, with God. Confess your sin. Monday morning, go and wish that person and say, I am glad for you. Say it with integrity. But unless you practice doing godly things, Stopping sin won't work. I've said that before. The biblical principle is stop sinning and do the right thing. Some of us try to stop sinning and we think we're cured. We are not. You've got to do the godly thing. I've already mentioned that to you from Psalm 3. The antidote to envy is trust God. Your problem of envy is you don't believe God's done right with you. And the truth is, he's done right with you. He's blessed you. He's given you all that you. He hasn't given you all that you. Big difference, right? There's a difference between need and want. I want a lot of things. I don't need them. In fact, God's given me more than I need. And with the excess he's given us as a family... 
we could be throwing half the things out and we still will not be poor. Isn't that the truth of us living in America? Get rid of half of the stuff we have. Even if we got rid of half of our money sometimes, we still won't be poor. Trust in God. Delight yourself in God. Don't go after the things of the world. They will never satisfy. You'll go after them and the more you have, the more you'll want. The more you have, the more you'll want. You'll always find someone better than you if you look hard enough, isn't it? Delight in God. He will take care of not only you, he will take care of your children. I have seen God being good in my household. God has blessed not only me, but our children much more than they deserve. God's got them to places, and in the case of one child, God gave a job to this one child far more than what she was qualified for. The act of God. You know, insurance policies don't cover acts of God. There are acts of God that God can do for you and I that won't make any sense. Seek after God, and he'll fulfill the desires of your heart. Let me conclude by reading to you from Philippians chapter 4. I just want you to listen. Don't turn in your Bibles. This is the word of God. Listen to it. Close your eyes so that you hear what God wants to say. It says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And now Paul goes on to say how you should think. Listen to it. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you've learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. And the God of peace will be with you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that your challenge is that you challenge us to think differently. Think biblically. Our sinful minds have a way of thinking But your desire for us this morning is that we think with the mind of Christ. And then it says that beyond our thinking, we need to put some things into practice. There are things that we have to do. And this morning, my prayer is that as we think, as we change our habits, we would delight you and your favor would rest upon us. Amen.